0: Hey, you guys, and welcome back for the final episode of season three of the Raised and Redeemed podcast. Today, I'm going to be answering your questions about my pregnancy story, what the inspiration behind our daughter's name is, my favorite moments from Raised and Redeemed this season, and am I an Orthodox Christian now? Without further ado, let's get into it. Hey everybody, and welcome to the Raised and Redeemed podcast. I'm your host, Michaela Nikolinko, and I started this show after finally finding my home in Christ. I grew up in a home with lots of abuse and addiction where Christianity became something that repelled me. I spent my early adulthood seeking God in other religions, tarot cards, psychedelics, and even myself. I didn't realize how much hell I had pulled up into my life until I came face to face with the dark side and Jesus fought hard to save me. Now I live to serve his will and host a platform where others can share their story too. If you're looking for a show that talks about real things and provides encouragement for those who have been to the dark side and back, then this is the show for you. Make sure to rate, subscribe, and share this show with anybody else who might be encouraged by it too. Thank you so much for joining me and welcome to the Raised and Redeemed family. Okay, let's start with the fun stuff. Let's talk about baby Milana. So the way that my husband and I found out, let's rewind back to July when she was conceived. We had no idea. Um, I had just started a pretty rigorous workout program. I was going to the gym like six days a week, lifting really heavy. So when my period was thrown off, I wasn't surprised. I thought, oh yeah, of course, like this happens every time I start working out a lot. Um, So I was in denial for a while. Um, At the same time, though, not to be too graphic, because I know we have some men listen to the show as well, but my breasts began to be very ouchy and they were just not fitting in any of my clothes. And, you know, women know that's one of the first signs of getting pregnant. But for me, you know, I've never done this before. I've never been pregnant before. So it wasn't a super red flag, but my husband kind of had an idea. And so he bought... Uh, the first pregnancy test and it actually came out negative. Um, so life goes on. I'm still not having my period. I was, you know, over a month late, but it was the second time this year that that happened of me being over a month late. So I still wasn't freaking out. So I take this second round of pregnancy tests um, per my husband's request. And this one came out positive. I can still remember the way my husband and I just like looked at each other in total astonishment, like two little kids in a candy store who just like saw their favorite ice cream on display or something. Um, (laughs) I was totally in shock. I didn't believe it. So we drove straight to CVS and bought uh, the fancy pregnancy tests that say blatantly pregnant or not pregnant. And we went back to the house and took numerous of them. And all of them said I was pregnant. And so for me, uh, for those of you who know me, I don't really have experience with babies. Um, I never nannied. I never did any of that. Whereas my husband, he is phenomenal with babies. Like every time there's a baby around or a small child, like I've basically lost my husband. He's gone. He's playing like this is his jam. So for me, I think I was more in shock and disbelief and like, oh, my gosh. Whereas my husband, he was just excited right away. Um you know given as well it's my body that's going to be changing and going through all these things so it makes sense that it would take a little bit longer for me to process than for him to process um but I'm just so glad that he was so excited and supportive because this definitely um helped me in the process. I mean it's not like we were doing anything. I guess the way my the way my aunt would describe this is you weren't doing anything um to prevent it from happening, which which is true. It's like we weren't we weren't trying, but we weren't trying for it not to happen, if that makes sense. We've been married for two years. Um and we, we knew it could happen anytime, but we definitely thought we had another two to five years before it happened. Um, however you know, if things happened according to our plan, it would just not be as good as, you know, I know it is according to God's plan. So at the end of the day, even though it wasn't according to our timeline or what we thought was going to happen, we trust God so much and we're so excited and we just know that all life is a blessing from God and we trust that he's going to provide and, and guide us and help us be parents for this little girl so we're so excited so then a couple of you asked how do you pronounce her name and where do you get the inspiration for it so her name is going to be Milana Verne Nikolenko, and she's gonna go by Mila but the way we essentially came to the name Milana was for two years I'll just say I have a very loving and supportive um, Ukrainian in-law family who have been ready for baby since day one. Um, actually, that's that's an incredibly important part of the birth story or the pregnancy story that I almost forgot to tell you guys about. Um, so my father-in-law has been, you know, encouraging us to have a baby and bring a grandbaby into this world basically day one since we got married. And uh, my husband and I are very... Um, I'm not gonna say workaholic, but we do have a lot of career visions and goals. So we're like, you know what, like pop, thank you. But we're gonna keep working on our goals so and you know, get more financially stable and travel a little bit and all these things before we get pregnant. Um, but this has been a dream of my father-in-law, like I said, since day one. So two weeks before we find out that I'm pregnant, two things, two very important things happen back to back, and this is just how cool God is as well. Um, the first thing is I had started going to the Orthodox Church with my husband. We were now going to the Orthodox Church every other week and the non-denominational church that we were going to, um, the other every other week. And a part of Christian Orthodoxy is having uh these icons, these images of Jesus, of Mary, of the of your patron saint around the house. And this is something my husband, he was asking, you know, can we have a prayer corner somewhere that Um, you know, we could pray together in our house and have these saints. So I told my father-in-law that we were creating a prayer corner and he was like, okay, well, you don't need to go out and buy a bunch of icons. I have a bunch of extra ones here. So I come over to his house and he gave me, you know, a couple from uh, Russia, Ukraine, these historic icons, pictures of Jesus and Mary. And with the one he gave me of Mary, it almost looked like she was holding a seed. And I didn't really understand it. Um, but I was like, okay, thank you. And, you know, went about my business. And then later on he tells me, he's like, oh yes, this is uh the icon that women pray to when they want to get pregnant. And so then I understood, oh, you know, because it was old style art, it was a little hard to understand what exactly I was looking at here. But then I understood, oh, it's Mary, and this is showing Jesus in her womb. So my father-in-law was telling me this is, you know, the icon women will pray to when they want to get pregnant and i was like, oh great. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. So anyways, i bring that icon home, go about my life and uh another thing i don't ever really talk about much, i don't really do solo podcasts often, so i don't just uh have a chance to tell you guys these things. Um but these are the kinds of things that i would journal about so i don't forget, you know, when god is speaking to me or something really cool happens and that same week I had this dream with my grandma. So my grandma was basically like my mother. My grandma and grandpa raised me and they passed away. Um my grandpa passed away when I was around a senior in high school and my grandma passed away when I was a freshman in college. And for those of you who have, who have seen my testimony video, you know the way I kind of spiraled after they passed. Um but I have like they show up in my dreams all the time. Um, like one out of three nights I dream that I'm, you know, somewhere with my grandparents. But this dream was different, you guys. So in this dream, um, I end up having a surprise baby. This baby just kind of came out of nowhere. And uh, it's not even like I was pregnant in the dream. It's just like next thing I knew, I had this baby in my arms. And this baby was crying and screaming and flailing around. And my grandma was there, and I remember her looking at me and telling me, like, it's okay. This is normal. Everything's going to be okay. You're fine. Just comforting me, consoling me. So I hold this baby, and I'm thinking in my head, I'm like, I don't even have a blanket to wrap this baby. I don't even have a stroller. Like, what am I going to do? And I want to go for a walk. So next thing I know, I'm walking down the sidewalk with this baby, and I look up, and and my husband is leaving for work. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, here I am with this baby. What am I going to do? And I wake up the next morning and I'm like, that was a weird dream, but I didn't think anything of it until once again, two weeks later, and we get the confirmation that we're pregnant. Um, so I looked at this later and, you know, I've had some episodes about, you know, our ghosts, demons, uh, can the dead communicate with you? All these things. I don't 100% know, um, you know, maybe it was God communicating to me in my dreams um or maybe it really was my grandma consoling me in my dream that or letting me know that she knew that you know we were pregnant and that everything was going to be okay and that she was there i don't know 100 know. like i don't know 100 percent what's true or not but i i won't forget that dream that's a huge part of the pregnancy story and just the way that um the way that I was being told uh, supernaturally that I was pregnant before it even happened and the way it all tied together with um, the icon of Mother Mary uh, and then two weeks later we find out we're pregnant. So I was going to tell you guys oh, how we got to the name. So since my in-laws are so involved with um, our life and uh, you know our pregnancy and all of that, from the beginning we'd been going back and forth on potential baby names. So when we first got pregnant, if it's a boy, he's going to be this. If it's a girl, she's going to be this. And there's a lot of names in English and in American culture that just make no sense to Ukrainian uh, parents. They're like, that's weird. I can't say that. And then vice versa, a lot of very popular Ukrainian or Russian names that for me, I'm like, no way, like we're never going to name our baby that. And so finding some names that we agreed on was it really did take like a two year process so we had narrowed it down. If it was a boy, he was going to be Vincenzo, and he was going to go by Vinny. And if it was a girl, she was going to be Milana, and she was going to go by Mila. And these were names that we both we we all agreed on. I believe that name meanings are really important, and that a lot of times we, you know, we kind of live up to the characteristics that uh, our names describe. And so, what Milana means is favored, beloved sweetheart, darling. And these, this was kind of consistent because there's lots of different origins from which the name Milano or different versions, Milan, Mila, uh, come from. And these were the consistent, uh, attributes. And then the middle name is Renee, which is actually mine, my mom's and my aunt's middle name. So that's been passed down. And what this name means is actually born again. So I just think that, uh, It's just such a beautiful name, and I could already imagine the kind of girl that she's going to be with a name like Milana Renee. So the next question that one of you guys asked me is what I did to prepare for pregnancy. Well, clearly, since we weren't trying or planning, and we didn't even know until, until we were six weeks in, I wasn't doing anything to prepare. In fact, I was drinking energy drinks every day, working out really hardcore, like all the things you're not supposed to do. Um, And luckily, by the grace of God, all of our tests have come back that she's healthy. Uh, The moment that we found out that we were pregnant, of course, like I went down to the norm, like the allowed caffeine intake, um, you know, healthy, more gentle exercise routines, you know, taking a prenatal so she can develop properly. But because I said this is my first pregnancy, I've never done this before. I'm really just doing... Uh, what my doctor tells me to do and um, what the baby books tell me to do because I know nothing. Um, So just listening to the wise uh, feedback that I get from those who are supporting me in this and the ones who have come before and done this before me because, yeah, I don't know anything. Um, Yep, just not eating, you know, anything raw. I love my undercooked eggs, my sunny side up. I love my medium steak, but everything has to be cooked thoroughly. No lunch meats, you know, all that good stuff that the doctor tells you. That's basically the regimen that I'm following. Hey everybody first off thank you so much for watching secondly if you're enjoying this conversation please support this show by liking subscribing leaving a review or sharing it with a friend and now back to the episode okay let's take a turn into some raised and redeemed specific questions one of you asked me of all the testimonies thus far is there one or two in particular that really stuck with you So. I love that question, and I love to look back and remember um just what God was communicating to me uh with each episode and during that season of my life um I can relate to all of my guests uh in some kind of way, of course, there's that sort of similarity that intrigues them to reach out to me and me to confirm them as guests, and so I just I love all of them so much, and like I said, I can relate to all of them and you know, some kind of way, but there is definitely some episodes that really, like, you know, God just used so specifically at that season of my life to say something so direct and specific to me. And those are the ones I'm going to mention. Um, You know, I, of course, love all my episodes and all my guests. I just want to emphasize that. But a couple of the ones that really just stuck with me I will start with episode 37. Um, This is called Psychedelic Trip Gone Wrong. Demons took me to trial, but Jesus said I was his. This was with uh, Joshua Zatkoff. And what this episode did for me was really just give me such a visual of God's grace, of his mercy. Uh, I definitely recommend you go back and watch it. But basically, Um, Joshua found himself in hell and being taunted by demons, and um, he found himself in God's hand as God saved him from this. And Jesus approached him and basically said, like, back off demons, like, this son is mine. He's mine. And I still remember the way he described looking up and seeing almost like this temple of God in heaven. Just these visuals were so lasting for me. I definitely recommend you guys going back and listening to episode 37 if you just want to be, if you want your heart to be wrecked and to just further understand the mercy um, and compassion of our Lord Jesus. This one was so good. Uh, the next one I will say that really impacted me was episode 42. This one was with a sister in Christ named k C. Um, This one is called I Saw Hell at a J. J. Cole Concert and God Saved Me from the Fast Life. So, you guys, um, I used to love J. Cole. Uh, His playlist was like my youth. And, you know, it's not even about him specifically, but just the truth of the evils in the music industry and the kind of secular music that we listen to um basically she went to a concert with her friend this is when she was still working as a stripper and she like god removed the veil and she got to see just how demonic and just this like demonic ritual that was practically happening on stage um and the lord fought for her she found herself shielded by his wings of protection you know everybody else thought she was losing her mind but she was blatantly seeing the spirit world and encountering the Lord and this is what brought her back to him. I think I can always use a good reminder about secular music because there's something so nostalgic about my old playlists um, and like I said the kind of songs that bring me back to my youth and it's really easy to turn those things on and jam and feel like the young free wild bird that you used to and you don't realize how spiritually dark and dangerous um, something that seems innocent can be. And I'm not saying like all secular music is bad. I really don't think it is. But there's, you know, you know when what you're listening to is evil or um, tempting your flesh or getting you back in your old temptations or lusts. And um, yeah, I can always use a good consistent reminder of that. So this testimony was very divinely timed in my life and, you know, impacted my heart a lot. And I'm glad that I have a testimony on the platform as well to just kind of Talk about the demonic rituals of these concerts and raves. It's something I want to go into more because a part of my testimony, too, is I did used to go to raves and I remember the like psychedelic visuals that they'd have on the stage and just the way of this like programming that's happening so subliminally. I would love to have more testimonies on the show about those sort of topics. So the next one is episode 62 childhood sexual abuse strip club demons and chicago street fights with amanda toro This was one of my favorites probably because I lived such a similar life once again And by the grace of god, I didn't see actual demons manifest in the strip club Um, you know, I did see a demon manifest in a man that I had met in the strip club But I can't imagine how traumatic that would be to see that in a place where you're not like stuck but you're there and you're working like I can remember all the nights I was there and if I would have seen that like it would have wrecked me too um so I'm glad that the way I encountered a demon was in a more (laughs) isolated environment where I could process that like imagine seeing that in a public place um and just like how do you respond how do you even act okay in public after seeing something so crazy um Yeah, I mean, it's the same thing as, you know, the episode 42 I just told you guys about when she saw the demonic ritual happening and everybody thought she was crazy. Um, But what she saw in the spirit was real. So I loved this testimony and just also talking about how these childhood abuse wounds um, often lead into this later rebellion and sexual promiscuity and void filling um, and just kind of the path that that takes you on. Um, and so I'm just so glad that, you know, my sister Amanda found the Lord and I loved having her testimony on the show. It was a really powerful one. And then also, um, you know, I wanted to start giving you guys more like resources and uh, like helpful, like step-by-step tips as well. And so I did start having on guests who have a story, but also have some kind of program or resource or book or something to help you guys as well. I don't know. I just felt like this conviction, um, to be providing more resources because we share a lot of amazing stories here. But then what do you do with that? Like, how do you actually break free from sexual addictions? Um, how do you prepare your kids or help your kids with healing? And so I've loved my more recent episodes as well. Uh, episode 68, for example, with Anna Barajas. She helps coach women from you know in breaking their sexual addictions and yeah, so I loved just being able to provide a step by step, step by step resource for you guys as well because I don't want to just give you, um, I don't want to just give you the why. I also want to help in giving the how sometimes. So yeah, that is something that I'm feeling inclined towards uh, continuing to do as a host here as well going forward. Okay, the next question. Um, share a testimony of how Raised and Redeemed has grown your faith, sanctified you, searched your heart, etc. So I I just thought that was such a great question. Um, and I want to go back to the beginning and just say that, you know, I started Raised and Redeemed as a baby Christian who really had more questions than answers. All I knew when I first became a Christian was that Satan was real, the dark side was was real. Jesus was Lord, and he's the one who saved me and fought to save me. Um, But everything else, all of the secondary parts of the Christian faith, I still had a lot of questions on. I still do have a lot of questions on. Um, And so I've had guests on the show from all kinds of walks of life, um, all different denominations, all different kinds of, I would call them secondary beliefs of the Christian faith. And it's really given me an opportunity to not only better understand the Lord and just the the depths that He's willing to go to to save His children, but also to get refined in what my personal convictions and beliefs are. Um, I'm still in the beginning stages of doing that. I think if you guys have been listening to the show, you know I still have maybe more questions than answers. That's why you don't usually hear me talking as much. I'm usually the one asking questions. Um, because yeah, I'm still seeking the full truth. Like I know Jesus is Lord. He died for my sins. Um, he rose again, uh, that he sits at the right hand of the father, but then I do, I still have questions about, uh, you know, creation, biblical cosmology is the earth actually flat. I know you guys are probably going to think I'm crazy in saying this, um, but I have these other questions like, are aliens demons? And, um, you know, what about the gifts of speaking in tongues and prophesying? Is this biblical? Like, should we be doing that? Are there modern day apostles and prophets? Or was that a thing of the past? Like, I just have so many, so many questions. Um, and that kind of leads me into the next question here Uh, my sister Anna said what's it been like to bear the responsibility of representing Jesus publicly so going back to having so many questions it is very overwhelming um, because I want like I take that responsibility so seriously you guys to be researching these things and to have sound doctrine and um, you know if somebody says something on the show That I don't agree with to be able to say, you know, what I do believe and what I do believe is sound doctrine. Um, But for a lot of the episodes so far, I, a lot of the times listen and let you guys kind of pray about, you know, your own personal convictions and what you believe sound doctrine, you know, what the sound doctrine is on those things. Um, But I do take the responsibility of being a leader here and being in ministry very seriously And this is actually a big reason we're going to talk about orthodoxy. This is a big reason that I value having uh, some kind of church authority and uh, a priest and um, a mentor that I can go to to get answers that aren't going to be different person to person, um, pastor to pastor, but there's a stable church system and theology that has endured for thousands of years. Uh, This we haven't we haven't quite gotten into orthodoxy yet, but I am gonna touch on that and why I've kind of been led to the Orthodox Church as well because of that and wanting more consistent answers because something I found uh in being in non-denominational churches ever since I became a believer is you go to each different pastor in a set non-denominational church and you're gonna get a different answer and doctrine from each one of them. But at the end of the day, like I've said a couple of times though. Um I do believe that those things are secondary and you know going back to the basics my husband and I always talk about this how going back to the basics of you know loving God and loving people well I think that's one of the most important things I can do so even if I'm still figuring out my entire like doctrine and how I think about all these different topics like deliverance ministry and prosperity gospel and aliens and biblical cosmology and all these things that I want to have answers on at the end of the day, representing Jesus, it's also simple in the question of, you know, are you seeking God with all your heart and are you loving people as you love yourself? I think that's one of the greatest fruits of having a sanctified heart, having having the Holy Spirit with you and reflecting Jesus is by how well you love people. But I'm not saying doctrine and theology aren't important because they definitely are. It's just a journey of figuring those things out and sometimes that takes a whole lifetime of research to do. What's up, you guys? I'm so excited to announce a new Raised and Redeemed merch drop. We took our apparel to the next level this time with our new running to the cross design that you can order in a crew neck, hoodie, oversized tee, or even on your new favorite coffee mug. Check out this design and more on RaisedAndRedeemed.com to order yours and support the show today. So now I'm going to address the question specifically am I an Orthodox Christian? Well, in short, my answer is no. Uh, I have been baptized. I was baptized in my non-denominational church um, January of 2021, back when I lived in Arizona. Um, The Orthodox Church does recognize that baptism, but in order to become an Orthodox Christian, I would have to go through the next part of their process of chrismation and that is something that they don't rush people in doing. We were in service last week or the week before that, and there was a man who came up to recognize his chrismation with his family, and they said how he had been attending the Orthodox Church for 11 years before finally deciding to become an Orthodox Christian. You know, of course, I would like to have more clear answers and uh you know of a, a decision before the 11 year mark but I'm also not going to rush the process or jump into a commitment um, that I don't feel a hundred percent convicted about and this is something I've actually talked to the priest about he, you know he, came up to me and he said, you know, I've listened to your podcast. And he said, I know the conviction that you have for the Lord. I know the conviction that led you to denying everything and proclaiming like firmly without without a doubt, Jesus is Lord. And he goes, I want you to have that same level of conviction about the Orthodox Church before making any kind of, you know, commitment to it. And that just was such a breath of fresh air and a relief for me that nobody's rushing me. I'm safe to explore. I'm safe to ask questions. I'm safe to take the time I I need. And I'm safe to wait on God to give me that conviction in my heart. Um, But at the end of the day, I think this is something that you guys like about me and maybe a reason many of you are here and maybe know me from the past is I've always been a truth seeker. Um, That's what led me into the new age and studying the other religions. That's what led me home to Jesus. Uh, And I'm going to always be a truth seeker. And that's what's, you know, pushing me to go deeper in my faith as well as this you know, never ending pursuit of, of truth that God has just placed in my heart. And so I hope that, you know, even if you guys have different doctrinal beliefs, or you're from different denominations, I'm going to keep doing my best to be respectful of, you know, all the different denominations. Like I said, I think the primary thing is, you know, do you recognize that Jesus is Lord and died for your sins and rose again, those primary things, but the secondary things of, you know, what denomination are you? Uh, What exactly do you believe doctrinally? I don't want to get hung up on that or find myself judging people because they have, you know, they're convicted of something different. However, I think you guys maybe know this about me too, is when I have been convinced that something is true, I will say that, you know, unapologetically, but not before then, you know, I'm going to continue to ask questions along the way as well. So let me just tell you what even led me to the Orthodox Church. I'm going to be honest, you guys. I didn't even know that the Orthodox Church existed. I didn't even know that was a thing before I met my husband. Um, It's, you know, that's, it's like Eastern Christianity here and the Western world. And in America, it's very rare to see an Orthodox church. Like we're so blessed that we have one just literally five minutes down the road because where I'm from in Indiana, I had never seen an Orthodox church in my life. I mean, maybe they existed, but it's not, it's not the majority. So it makes sense um, that people in America and the Western world aren't very well versed or experienced with what. You know, the Orthodox Church even is because I wasn't either and I had no interest. In fact, when I first came to Jesus in 2021, I was all relationship and no religion. And I think it's because I came from such a place of church hurt and seeing a lot of Christians who didn't get the relationship part right first. And I think that is the part that has to be right first and foremost is that relationship with Jesus. And then out of that springs the the religion, the practices, how you choose to honor the Lord. You know, I had one of my first videos after becoming a Christian was relationship versus religion. And I'm sure I dogged on religion a little bit, but I've just been humbled so much in my heart lately. And my husband actually gave me an interesting definition of religion. And just that it is the outward expression of that relationship with Jesus. But the problem is, is um, so many people get that wrong, and a lot of people do fall into just blindly following following the religion and the in the tradition, without remembering that first and foremost the the relationship is ultimately important. And I still I still hold strong to that. But so when I met my husband, you know, he started coming to the non denominational church with me, and that's been what we've been doing for the past couple years. And then I kind of found myself getting to a point of being a little burnt out socially being burnt out by the electric guitars and all the super cheery greeters and feeling like I had to perform and over socialize and there was just something that was becoming really draining to me in the or in the non-denominational church I was going to and like performancy and like it was like this whole like orchestration every week and I like i'm kind of an introvert believe it or not that's where i draw my energy that's where i feel safe when i'm connecting with god i want to be more internal but church can very often become this like outward social appearance kind of thing and i was finding myself just struggling with that and feeling very overstimulated um yeah by the non-denominational church and as i was sharing that more with my husband he was reminding me of how Orthodox worship is different and how it is like this more internal prayer time, you know, where you, it is more about your, your own personal prayer and connection time with the Lord while the priests are going around and doing the, the, the divine liturgy and the Psalms and the different verses are being sung. I don't have all the terminology figured out, but If you've gone to an Orthodox service, you know that it is a more internal sort of service. And the the priest only speaks for like 10 to 15 minutes of the entire time that you're there. Uh, Be that for one, two, three hours. Yeah, the priest only speaks for 10 to 15 minutes. Whereas the non-denominational church, a lot of times it can sort of get into like a TED talk, looking for the emotional rise, the emotional cues, which, you know, I got a lot out of. I did. I learned so much going to the non-denominational church. And as a new Christian, I got so much out of it. But after a while, it's like I wanted to go deeper. And this, once again, I don't want this to come across as judgy or like I'm dogging on any of this because I think that the way in which the non-denominational church prioritizes scripture and like practically living out like biblical principles and a biblical lifestyle and the way that they teach that every Sunday and how the Bible applies to our life. That is so important. And that was so important to me as a new Christian. Um, I tell my husband this too, coming out of the strip club and out of new age spirituality, I would not have walked right into an Orthodox church. Like me starting at a non-denominational church was Like that was exactly where I needed to be at that time. But I do think the most primary call to action uh, in each non-denominational service is to give your life to Jesus, to give your life to Jesus. Like every service ends with give your life to Jesus. And it almost feels like, and I mean, if you guys feel different, like once again, I don't want to, uh, yeah, I don't want to offend anybody, but it almost feels like this is like a beginner, Um, calling the beginners. This is great for getting the masses to give their lives to Jesus, but then what's next? And I know, you know, that's where you get into the groups and the classes and you go deeper, but I also did that. And once again, I was saying how all the questions that I had, each different pastor in a non-denominational church is going to have a different answer or maybe a different take on that theology or doctrine. And I was just wanting like deeper, more consistent theology and answers and systems. And that is something that the Orthodox Church will say is that, you know, the other churches and, you know, believers in Christ, the other denominations, they have a part of the truth, but they would, the Orthodox Church would say that their church has the fullness of the truth and of the faith. And so what that means too is like they're not solo scriptura. The tradition came before the Bible was even consolidated. Like how did you get to the Bible? There were these these councils, you know, to decide what was going to go in the Bible. So these traditions in the church was before the Bible was before the holy scripture. So the Orthodox Church doesn't believe in only um you know solo scripture. They also believe in the holy tradition and what that uh, consists of as well is the seven sacraments, that's baptism, chrismation, the Eucharist, um, healing oils, marriage, confession, and ordination for some people. And I'm not an expert in this. like I am still in the beginning stages of asking questions, but you know, something I shared in you know the, pa- the past couple of episodes is that this was the first church, and I know some Catholics will say that the Catholic Church was the first church. But the way I understand it is that the Orthodox Church was the first church, and from there broke off the Catholic Church because they had some differences in doctrine and um, theology, you know, the filioque way, and different things that these councils, like I said, had met for and agreed on. And then the Catholic Church started to disagree from what all of the early fathers had agreed on, and they kind of broke off and went their own way. Well, we kind of got to see the corruption that did start in the Catholic Church, and um, the Protestants that would come to be also recognized that, and that is why they broke off from the Catholic Church as they realized those those red flags and maybe some of these like money-making endeavors and that's not to say you know I just have to clarify there are some good Bible believing, um, people loving, Jesus loving Catholics, Um, but the structure as a whole, like even watching the news today and seeing all the things, you know, from gay marriage to the transgender godparents that the Catholic church is saying is okay. Like some of these things are just red flags. And I think it's because they no longer have the, the sort of checks and balances that the Orthodox Church still subscribes to, like the Orthodox Church still has this hierarchy and these this structure and this church authority um and this order from the bishops to the priests to the uh apostolic succession, which I know the Catholic Church has that part as well. Um, But the checks and balances just seem to be more secure because you don't hear about all these scandals happening in the Orthodox Church. And that's something I really value because going to, I wrote down this verse, Matthew 16, 18, where Jesus said, and I tell you that you are Peter and on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. The Orthodox Church is the only one that doesn't bend to the ways of the world. Uh, you even see, like I said, with you know the gay marriage and the transgender godparents and these different things that the Catholic Church is okay with, that even they are bending to the ways of the world. The Protestant Church as well, like my past, like I was spiritually deceived. I fell into the new age. And then as I became a new Christian, there's all these other deceptions to watch out for from the prosperity gospel to um, the new apostolic Uh, revolution, I don't know if I have that exactly right, to the deliverance ministries, all these different things within the Christian church that you have to be so cautious of in a church where there's no checks and balances or sort of hierarchy or structure. um, They have no one to report to or answer to. And I think that the Orthodox Church is this sort of stable church that hasn't changed like it has stood the test of time and the gates of hell have not prevailed against it. Like it seems to be holding up true. So I know it seems like I am, you know, repping the gang pretty hard, but I still am not a hundred percent sure. Like there's still questions I have and things I'm working out. And that's what I love too is that I can ask the priest. I can meet with the priest. I can email back and forth with the priest and that they're not rushing me uh to make a decision but i know in thinking about raising kids and wanting to protect them spiritually and the kind of kids that i want them to grow up to be and the reverence for god i want them to have there's a lot of things that do look really good about the orthodox church and this is something that i am still going to be having conversations on. If you guys want to ha- like see me have guests on, um, have a priest on to kind of talk about these things, dive deeper, I would love to hear your feedback on that. And once again, I hope that this doesn't turn you off from continuing to listen to Raised and Redeemed because going back to what I started with in this topic about orthodoxy is I've always been a truth seeker. And that's the same thing I'm doing now. And it's what I think you guys valued in me from the beginning as a host and as a reflection of Jesus. And so I hope that you go on the journey of seeking more truth with me. Um and that this doesn't repel you. And you know, I'm open to feedback. I'm open to your comments and your questions. Uh, Because maybe I have the same questions and I will email that to the priest as well. And I'd love to answer those things um, with you guys as well. Okay. And this is why I don't often do solo podcasts because guys, I am exhausted by the end of it. And I hope that I didn't talk too much, but I mean, hey, that's what I'm here for, right? Like that's why you guys are listening. Um, So yeah, I hope that you enjoyed this episode and that you were able to get some value out of it. If you have any questions, feel free to comment them uh, below on YouTube, uh, in the DMs, wherever you guys follow me. Once again, this episode will conclude season three of the podcast. I always find myself feeling a little burnt out and just needing, you know, some me time and a spiritual recharge and recentering and business you know, recharge and recentering around twice a year at the beginning of summer and at the beginning of the holiday season. So when I come back, I think it's going to be late January, maybe early February. But I'm also looking to continue to grow this thing, maybe start seeking sponsors and having this thing grow to be even bigger and more influential. So thank you to everybody who has stuck along and been a part of the journey so far. And I'm looking forward to seeing you back for season four. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, I'd love to have you leave a review and share it with a friend. All information on how to stay connected with the Raised Interdeem podcast can be found in the show notes below. Until next time, stay well and God bless you.